What is going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. Today's podcast is another fantastic Q&A fueled by the questions from the people in the private Facebook group. So we have a a lot of questions uh, surrounding a lot of different topics today. Today we're going to get into goal setting and why you need to figure out your purpose behind that goal. We're going to talk about metabolic flexibility. We're going to talk about CBD oil versus THC. Uh, We're going to talk about fueling your training properly, volume eating, um, different phases throughout your training and why you want to throw metabolic training at the end of a workout. Um, Where I would live if I could live anywhere in America. So there's some unique questions in here. My favorite exercises, so many different things. Um, I think we have like 25 different questions. So my job today is to try to get as many questions as possible within this uh, 45 minute to an hour period I have with you. Um, See how many we can cram in here. So we're going to do this rapid fire style because I want to get your questions answered. few quick reminders before we get into the show. The first one being, guys, remember, if you want to get your question answered, Uh, and you want to ask your question so I can go over topics that you want to hear, there's a few ways you can do that. Number one, you can just email us at info at boomboomperformance.com with the subject line podcast question. You can follow me on Instagram at cody.boomboom, and you can just DM me or comment on one of my things and just ask me a question for the podcast. Um, And last but not least, there is actually a link inside the description, inside the show notes of this podcast. I think it just says Ask Boom Boom. So you can click this. It'll go to a specific page where you can actually just fill out a form. Give us your name and you fill out your question. It gets emailed directly to me. So I have your question for the next show. So if you want your question answered, make sure that you go do one of those three options. The next reminder, guys, one of the best ways to help me grow this podcast is to leave a five-star rating and review, and we have just days left before I announce the winner. We have about a week left before I announce the winner, um, the winners, because we're going to pick multiple winners. Uh, So we did the contest a couple weeks ago. Actually, it was a week and a half ago, and iTunes takes a while to update these these, uh, reviews, so I wanted to give you guys some time, but basically I'm going to pick three winners. You guys have choices of what you're going to get from me, whether that's eBooks, you're going to get a shot to join the elite membership, or you can get a call with me. We're going to give you something for free. All you got to do is leave a five-star rating and review, and we are announcing this winner next week on the podcast, probably going to do it Friday on the next Q&A. So you guys have one week left, which means if you're listening to this right now and you appreciate me for delivering this podcast, you appreciate the podcast and it has helped you in any way, and you want to get some free shit, Go leave a five-star rating and review right now because it takes days to go through the process on iTunes. I don't know why it's so slow, but that way I can get to you, get to your review, and you can have a shot at winning before we announce. The third and final thing, guys, this podcast is fueled by the Boom Boom Elite membership. So if you want a chance to take your content absorption, (laughs) take the knowledge you're learning, the information you're extracting even further and you want to get your direct specific questions about your diet, your training, your stress, your lifestyle, whatever it may be, your business, if you want those questions answered directly from me, this is the place to be. Also, if you want training programs done for you every single day of the week, every single week of the month, And if you stay long enough every month of the year, this is the place to be because I take care of all your training needs by providing multiple programs per month to make sure that you have your programming done and you don't have to guess about what to do in the gym. Add to that, I am filming videos, doing Facebook Lives, doing private exclusive interviews, shooting content inside of this group that nobody else gets to see. So if you want to be a part of the exclusive group inside the Boom Boom Elite, you can click the first link inside the description, or you can go join by visiting boomboomperformance.com slash elite. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the Q&A. All right, so the first question comes from Courtney Sturgeon. 
Boom Boom Performance's very own nutrition coach. She just got done going to a seminar uh, with Jason Phillips, so I think she has a question about that. Let's see. Do you think people are asking themselves why enough and getting to the root of their goals and or roadblocks in life? Why do I want abs? Why am I on my fifth diet with the third coach for the year with no success? Why did my significant other and I just get in a major fight over the dishes? Jason Phillips NCI cert. Uh, Jason Phillips at the NCI cert this past weekend explained the stack method he does with the why question for situations. How do you use it and can you explain how it helps? So um, yeah, this is a great question. So I'm, I'm not going to really go into depth with um, – explaining the stack method uh, because a couple things. Number one, I, I can't even be 100% sure of what stack method he's referring to. I think that that could be his own system that I'm unaware of, um, but it also could be the Wake Up Warrior system, which I am aware of, um, but that's their system. <laughs> so I'm not going to get on here and kind of share their secrets of how they do what they do inside their coaching because um, I've gone through it. I know Jason's going through it right now um, as he's working directly with Garrett, the owner of Wake Up Warrior, but Basically, the st like if I could just give a, a, a premise of what the stack's purpose is, realistically, it's the whole purpose behind it is just to make you dive deeper, right? Like start asking yourself why. Start turning things around um, so you're not judging things. You're actually stepping out of it. Um, so there's a lot of things that's going on with it. The best part about it is it's kind of like positive focus, right? Like it's, it's literally designed to take a situation, find the positive, create a lesson, put yourself in the shoes – of the person related to the situation. So if you are judging or attacking somebody specifically, it allows you to put yourself in their shoes to see see if you are actually being a hypocrite, see if you actually do what you are saying you hate, right? Like a lot of us get pissed or angry or stressed out about somebody doing something when in reality, oftentimes we do the exact same things. We just ignore it because it's ourselves. So this is kind of a way for us to flip the situation um, Put ourselves in those shoes, try to learn the lesson, try to see it from a different point of view, T try to remove judgment, right? Like that's the biggest part. Step outside of the entire situation, kind of have an out-of-body experience and look at the situation without any judgment pressing forward. So there's a lot of pieces to the stack. It's a long thing that we fill out every day. Like there's a lot going on with it. So I'm not going to really dig into exactly what that is, but I think the main question here is simple, right? Like do I think people ask themselves why enough and getting to the root of their goals and or roadblocks in life? And I, I think the answer is no. I think not enough people dive in and find their purpose behind it, right? There, there's two ways to look at this, right? We have a goal and then we have a why and then we have a passion and we have a purpose. So it depends which way we're talking about, right? So I like to think of the, purpose, the, the passion and purpose from a business perspective. So if I'm looking at my own life, you know, like what do I do? I coach people. Okay, so what is my passion and what's my purpose? If I dissect what I do to be completely transparent with you guys, my biggest passion is actually content creation, right? Like I love creating podcasts. I love creating videos. I love creating blogs. I love writing as much as I can and newsletters and all these different things, ebooks. So, and I think that's obvious, right? A lot of people understand that I'm really into content. But my purpose is helping people. My purpose is helping people feel what I felt when I transformed my body. I was more productive. I was more confident. I had more energy. I began to like the way I looked. I began to accept myself. I began to forgive myself. I began, began to love and appreciate myself. Uh, people began to look at me different. 
I began to affect people differently from an inspirational standpoint. These things made me feel so good selfishly that my purpose is helping other people feel that passion. But it would not be capable if I didn't know my why behind it, right? And my why is actually avoiding the pain associated of where I once was. And I think that's where people go wrong with finding their why. So when I look at career, I like to think of passion and purpose because I have a passion of creating content. But if I didn't have a purpose behind it, the purpose of helping people do what I did, accomplish what I accomplished, have a transformation with their body physically so it can change their life mentally, emotionally, spiritually, with their relationships, everything. If I didn't have the purpose behind that, I don't think it would. I would be successful at creating the content I I do. And even within my coaching, I look at that as content as well because I'm providing individuals exclusive, specific, individualized content to them. Right? I'm providing information. I'm typing it up to them. I'm filming videos for them. I'm getting on the phone and talking to them. Um, these things, the Boom Boom Performance uh, Elite, the membership site, that is a source of me to be able to take content to another level of individuality for these people inside that group to teach them even more. Like, yes, I give them training programs as well so they're set, but I also give content. So content is my, is my passion. My purpose is helping people. And I do that through coaching. I do that through content. I do that through remembering my why, which is the other side of this, right? So when we're talking about why do I want abs, why am I on the fifth diet and third coach and blah, blah, blah. Like when we look at that avenue, well, we have to dissect the goal. And I think this might be related to what he means by the stack method. So if we look at what is your goal? I had this conversation with somebody recently, a couple of people actually. What is your goal? Well, my goal is to lose 20 pounds. Okay. Why is that actually your goal? Well, you know, I want to be leaner. Okay, why do you want to be leaner? I don't know. I just feel good. Okay, well, why would that make you feel good? I think I'd just be happier. Why would you be happier? This is where we start to get a little emotional, right? And then you realize, well, I'd probably be happier because I wouldn't avoid the mirrors every morning. Okay, so you avoid the mirrors. Why are you doing that? Well, I'm doing that because I hate what I see in the mirror. Okay, why do you hate what you see in the mirror? Because I'm overweight. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. Now we got fuel. So the pain that you're feeling is that you do not like what you see in the mirror. Or maybe your significant other isn't looking at you the way they once did and you are blaming that on your weight. And this is very, very common. It's, very, it's reality. And it's something that a lot of trainers, a lot of coaches don't want to talk about. I will gladly talk about it with someone if somebody will be open with me. And I've had those brutal conversations with clients plenty of times. And you have to, we called it peeled, peeling the onion, but you have to peel the onion. Right? You have to keep pulling layer after layer after layer. Okay, cool, you want to lose 30 pounds. But what is it about 30 pounds? It's probably because when you were 30 pounds lighter, your pants fit better. You gladly got undressed in front of your husband or your wife. You liked what you saw in the mirror. You purposely stepped around shirtless. You went to the, the lake more, like all these different things. Right? Like I, I posted about this the other day on Instagram. It's funny that you asked this question. Like my why was – very related to this. I hated when I saw it in the mirror. I avoided the scale at all costs. I avoided the lake. Like I literally would never go to lake or pool hangouts when I was growing up, um, college, high school, any of that. So even as I grew older, I would avoid it. I'd avoid pictures. I'd avoid looking at myself in the mirror. I didn't have a scale in the house. Like, and I ignored that. Why? I just ignored it. I just subconsciously did all those things, but it was because I hated what I saw. And it wasn't until I actually stepped and it sounds weird to say, but it, 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 never, it didn't change until I stepped in front of the mirror, butt-ass naked, and looked at myself and just stood there. It forced myself to truly look at myself up and down. Look at myself up and down and ask myself, do you like what you see? No. Why are you letting yourself do this? 
it's just as much of a choice to change as, as it is to stay put. And I had to have that realization. So I think – I don't think people ask themselves why enough. I think people have to go deeper and deeper and deeper. And usually it's associated to a pain. I was tired of feeling the pain of looking at myself, of not feeling confident, of not having energy, of walking up a hill in the parking lot of my college to get to class in the morning and be sweat, sweaty by the time I got up this little hill. I remember these things, and I hated it so much. It made me feel like shit. So my why is to avoid the pain behind those things. That's why I train every day. I don't need to have shredded abs, but I need to not feel that shitty pain anymore. And most people need to find that pain. They need to understand that pain. They need to find that why behind it. And now my passion is content, but my purpose behind my coaching is to make sure I can help people avoid that pain because everybody has their own pain. So... Yeah, I think it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. I mean, you even mentioned why did my significant other and I just get in a major fight over the dishes? I think the same thing applies to that. Okay, so like you're irritated, you're moody, you're snappy. Why? What's going on in your life? So you have to dissect that. What about your significant other is bugging you? What about them is actually poking the bear until you just let loose and you can't, you know what I mean? You can't contain it anymore it's always related to something else like you guys are doing the fucking dishes you're not mad at each other about the dishes you're mad about something else you're holding a grudge about something else it could be personal it could be about them it could be anything but you just have to ask why you have to constantly ask why and i think the most successful people the people who avoid being on their fifth diet of the year those people ask why they understand their why. They understand their purpose. They understand the reason they're doing these things. And because of that, it's much easier to stay consistent. Because the reality is this. If I fall off, which happens, it's part of fucking dieting. If I fall off, it is that much easier to jump back on and get extremely consistent after that if I understand my why. Because I don't doubt myself. I don't question myself. I don't think about how hard it is going to be to get back on the horse, so on and so forth. I know why I'm doing this and I'm so extremely purposeful behind that. Like I have so much drive behind that that there's just no question. It's second nature. I just do it. Plain and simple. Same thing with consistency in the beginning. You most likely won't fall off very often if you have this purpose behind you. So I think it's very, very important. I don't think enough people ask why. Eric Gallick, in reference to increasing metabolic flexibility, met, ugh, can't even talk today. It's early morning, guys. I'm recording this podcast this is crazy. Shout out to my media guy. I wonder if he's going to actually listen through this entire podcast and hear me give him a shout out. Travis, my man. He is in Europe, but he is still editing content. This guy, me and this guy filmed and wrote and created content. So much content in October that we had everything done for November. Literally everything. The only thing we didn't have completely done was the Q&A's. Everything else has been done. So this guy is going to get this podcast. He's in Europe right now, so it is late. I'm going to send this to him, and it's going to be like 5 p.m. over there, and he's going to edit it up. He's going to get it out for us because he is the man. He is crushing it. Super happy about that. So anyway, this question, Eric Gallick, in reference to increasing metabolic flexibility toward using fats for fuel, how long do you wait each day before having carbohydrates? Do you have a base recommendation of waiting till lunch for or the reason for this, and would you then carb backload around an evening workout. Have you had difficulty getting in all your carbs for the day with this approach for your clients or yourself? What is one meal prep? Okay, so he had multiple questions. This guy has a huge comment. Take a sip of coffee for this shit. So I lied, guys. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get all these questions done in an hour. <laughs> There's more than I thought. All right, so 
In reference to metabolic flexibility towards using fat for fuel, how long do you wait each day before having carbohydrates? Do you have a base recommendation of waiting till lunch for this reason? Like the, the big thing here is we got to remember a couple things. Number one, true metabolic flexibility is obviously you being able to use fat for fuel when fat is more readily available and using carbohydrates for fuel when carbohydrates are more readily available. There's a couple things I think about with this. When we are in a low-carb setting um, or in a fasted state, our body will start producing a small amount of ketones. And even if it's not enough to produce uh, – like to get you into keto, ketosis and actually be on a quote-unquote ketogenic diet, what we do know is that you can have a little bit more mental clarity. So I think saving your carbs for lunch or afterwards – the main benefit there is less about using fat for fuel and more about just not having foggy brain. Just because you've gone a little bit longer with your fast or even just without carbohydrates, I think that your blood sugar is going to be more steady. I think your insulin is going to be more steady. I think your brain might be using a little bit more fat for fuel, but it's debatable um, because you're really not depleted at that point. But we do know that if you already have – like if you're doing carbs in the afternoon, if you're doing carbs every day what at any time, no matter what – Carbohydrates are stored as glycogen for 24 hours and used later for fuel. What this tells me is that you're not really going to be in a quote-unquote fat-fueled state until you completely deplete your, your glycogen stores. So I think the purpose of this is more about, okay, when I consume carbs, I get an insulin spike. I get a little bit of brain fog. I get some cravings later, like so on and so forth. Uh, my body you know, drops cortisol. So in the morning, cortisol is higher. And if we eat carbohydrates, we can drop that cortisol response. But you got to remember sometimes if it's not overwhelmingly high, if, you're, if you don't have issues with high cortisol or um, chronically elevated cortisol levels, this is a good thing. Because when I wake up in the morning, I want to work. I want to do my most productive stuff, this podcast. I want to be on fire for you guys. I want to be able to journal. I want to be able to write. I want to be able to create content. Those things require me to be focused. Those things might benefit more if I have cortisol a little bit higher because when, I'm, when I have cortisol a little bit higher in the morning, I'm in a heightened state. When I eat carbohydrates, I spike insulin. I drop that cortisol. I might actually go into parasympathetic, a.k.a. rest and digest. I might actually slow down. I might actually get a little tired. Um, and this isn't everybody. Everybody has a different uh, blood glucose response to carbohydrates. So for some people, this is completely irrelevant. But what I've noticed is most people are a little bit more productive in the morning if they pull back on carbs and wait till the afternoon. Now, I don't really think that they're in a fat-for-fuel state yet. Um, I think if you're very lean already, um, that tells me that your muscles are going to have glycogen, but you're not going to have a bunch of extra storing around, right? If you're pretty overweight, I would say you'd have to cut out carbs for a good amount of time to truly get into a fat-for-fuel state. Um, it's why keto, like a ketogenic diet, you're not going to get into ketosis for weeks and weeks, some people even months. And the reason for that is because it takes your body time to deplete carbohydrates, to deplete your glycogen stores, to start actually getting familiar with uh, fat-for-fuel um, and, and to create that metabolic flexibility. So I don't think it's possible that quickly, but what I do know is that if you exercise in the morning, for example, and you're already 12 hours into to a fast and you do it, you do the exercise fasted, you probably are going to use a little bit more fat for fuel. Um, and, and it's not necessarily – I shouldn't say you're going to use more fat for fuel. What we do know is your body's more likely to get familiar with fat as a fuel source. And the reason I say that is because if I go downstairs into my garage gym and I do the assault bike and I'm going all out intensity, that's a very glycolytic activity. 
because I'm going at a very hard intensity, 90% of my max. Uh, heart rate, maybe I'm going for 30 seconds, so lactic acid is building up. I need, uh, I need fuel. I need glycogen. That's why CrossFit is so glycolytic, right? Same exact thing. Even if I'm in a fasted state, my body's going to pull glycogen to get that job done because that's just the natural fuel source. Now, if I go on a 40-minute walk at a really low pace, my body's probably more likely to use some of that fat for fuel. So if we're trying to increase metabolic flexibility from a day-to-day basis without depleting carbs and going into a low-carb state for days and days, I actually think the best way to do this is to take carbs out of your breakfast, do some fasted cardio. So you're doing low-intensity cardio, which is going to be a uh, fat-fueled exercise because we know in the low-intensity range you're predominantly using fats for fuel. And you're going to do that for 30, 40, 50 minutes first thing in the morning in a fasted state. That's probably your best way to get your body more metabolically flexible, which is really just the idea of making sure that your body can use fats for fuel. Um, now, do you have a base recommendation of waiting till lunch for this reason? No, I think I think the key there is like do the exercise fasted. You're going to increase metabolic flexibility. Um, if you, I don't think like pulling back carbs from your breakfast necessarily is going to increase metabolic flexibility too much because you're still in, you're still incorporating carbs during the later day it's if you want to increase metabolic flexibility for through food you would have to have like full day of high fat low 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 carb full day of high carb low fat um and and switch those every few days or every other week things like that are going to increase metabolic flexibility a little bit more i think fasted cardio and a low intensity is going to increase metabolic flexibility because it's going to teach your body how to actually use fat for fuel which will aid you in other workouts and other times of the day whether you are fed or not because it's increasing your body's ability you're not going to burn more calories doing that fasted cardio versus fed cardio what you are going to do is you're going to teach your body how to use a different fuel source because that's what you have provided for it since you're at the tail end of your fast. Um, so as far as saving towards lunch, I would save it towards lunch if you notice that you are more productive in your work during the morning without carbs. And if that's you, this is me, I save my carbs for later. So I don't eat my carbs until like 1 p.m. I do a lot of my content well before then. So I, I fast 12 hours and I do a lot of content before I even eat. I usually do a little bit of cardio in the morning just to get my body moving and then I have a low carb high fat breakfast. Um, That keeps me going through lunch. Once I have my uh, carb based meal, I do less, I guess, I don't want to say productive work, but less uh, demanding of my brain, right? I don't need as much focus. I don't need as much productivity. Um, Just the busy work. I get that shit done in the afternoon after I've already had carbs. And then obviously I train um, and I like to have some carbs in my system when I train. So you could do it that way. You could save them for lunch. You could do backloading where you don't have any and then you just have it in the evening. Um, And I don't do this approach if my if my clients have a higher carb diet. So if my clients need a, a good amount of carbs, I usually don't do this approach. Uh, maybe have four or five meals a day and then breakfast is no carb, but I don't like to push everything to a backloading perspective because then that means I'm getting, you know, 150 to 200 grams of carbs in one meal. And from a digestive and absorption perspective, I just don't think that's the smartest idea. So there was a lot to that answer. I don't know if that helped you too much, man, but basically what you want to do is uh, some kind of, I would do some kind of low intensity cardio in the morning. It doesn't even have to be a super long time, but even if you don't have a goal of losing weight, that's going to increase your metabolic flexibility alone. If you want to go dive deeper and deeper into that, um, Dr. Mike T. Nelson 
who I had on the podcast a while back. Listen to our, our episode together and then go check out some of his content. He's really big in metab metabolic flexibility. And basically what he preaches is the same thing. Fasted cardio in the morning at a low-intensity state. Um, and then you're probably going to want to do some alternating days or weeks of high-carb and low-carb, um, high-fat and low-fat, uh, because that's what's going to increase that metabolic flexibility and your body's ability to shift back and forth. But I do think it takes time. You know, that's, that's a hard concept to think of, right? Like if you go cold turkey on something that you've been doing for a long time, is that easy? No. So if your body's extremely used to utilizing carbohydrates as fuel, it's not going to be easy for it to completely turn that off and immediately start using fats for fuel. It takes time of depleting the carbohydrates and it takes time going back and forth and getting used to that. He has another two questions. So what is the one meal prep appliance you could not do without? Damn, meal prep appliance. I'm a horrible example of this because I don't meal prep. <laughs> so I do meal prep. I meal prep my lunch. So I cook a big batch of meat for my lunch, and I have the same lunch every single day of the week. But I eat four meals a day. So my first meal is always an egg scramble, a um, couple whole eggs, uh, some coconut oil to cook it in, and then a bunch of veggies. Like that's my, my ideal breakfast, you know, like 20 grams of fat, a uh, good amount of protein because I'm putting extra egg whites in there, and then I switch up my veggies. I've been doing a lot of Brussels sprouts lately after I've listened to Dr. Rhonda Patrick and how much she loves Brussels sprouts because of the nutrients in there and how they affect the brain, how they affect longevity, so on and so forth. So I'm huge on those. Um, I usually put some kind of bell pepper. I change the color every time. I usually put a mushroom. I change that every time. Um, and then maybe some kale or some spinach. I put a lot of veggies in my omelet, but I do the same breakfast every day because I don't want to think about it. Um, same reason why I get my clothes out in the morning before the like little hacks like this actually it, are good to be aware of as, as somebody who wants to produce because your brain only has so much capacity to actually make decisions, which is pretty crazy to think about. And it seems like such a uh, OCD thing to go about. But it's the same reason why Steve Jobs literally if you looked at his closet, he had the same pants and shirt 100 times. He wore the same thing every fucking day. He didn't want to think about it because our brain's capacity to, to have to make decisions, uh, even with self-discipline, same thing, to refrain from doing things, it's limited. It uses energy, and we only have so much, so we can't just do it over and over and over again. So for me, I have to make more important decisions inside my business, with my family, so on and so forth throughout the day. So I want to make less decisions. So because of that, I eat the same fucking thing for breakfast and lunch every single day of the week, literally every single day of the week. The only time it can possibly change is on the weekend if we're going out or doing something, then my lunch changes, but my breakfast doesn't really change. Uh, and my clothes, I get out my clothes the night before, my shoes, everything, I fold them up, put them out in the hall. So when I wake up, Shannon and the baby's sleeping, I walk out in the hall, stack the clothes right there, put them right on, I don't even gotta think about it. It's already done. So I'm, I'm doing everything I can to make less decisions in my day. Um, anyway, that's a side rant. Um, so I guess like the thing I couldn't do without is uh, Tupperwares because <laughs> I cook a bunch of meat and I put them in Tupperwares and, and I put them in the fridge, but I don't, that's the only thing I meal prep. So I, I really, I really couldn't even tell you, man, I, I don't have, uh, I don't meal prep much. So I guess the, the thing I, I couldn't live without is uh, we have really nice, well, I've cooked at them so many times and put them through dishwasher that are, I need to get new ones, but um, the pans and the uh, skillets and stuff like that, like we've always had really nice ones because I just love having nice ones that don't stick, they cook well. That's probably my number one meal appliance or my mug. I have like two favorite mugs that I put my coffee in. I guess that would be it. Or shit, yeah, my coffee pot. I have an old school coffee pot that I love. Not a very helpful answer. Sorry, man. 
As a collector of body art myself, this is his last question. As a collector of body art myself, I know there is always an itch to get more. He's probably talking about tattoos. Do you have any new ink plan for the future? Man, um, I actually don't because I just got a leg sleeve. So I just got my knee to ankle done, and I actually still have one more appointment in a month. So next month, I have one last appointment to finish touching up, edging, like just kind of finish some things. There's like some blending that needs to be done from piece to piece. But I got my whole entire leg done. I have Cronus, the Greek god of time, Zeus's dad, on one entire side of my leg. It's a massive tattoo. Uh, I have the Eye of Providence, so the uh, the all the the eye on the dollar bill, God's eye, basically the overwatching eye, um, with the pyramid and then like bright rays behind it. And then I have a big B and a rose, both for Blakely, my daughter. Um, that covers my whole entire leg. So I just got so much ink done that I'm staying away from ink for a while. Um, I've, I always had things in my mind, though. I've always wanted different things, and I'm definitely going to get more. Um, I've had thoughts about getting a, a panel down my back. So basically, the entire left side of my back would be done, um, and I would continue the Greek theme. I have, I have an idea for that, but uh, but who knows when I'd get that done because that will be a long fucking tattoo. So right now, I don't have any plans. Um, I have quite a bit of ink, so I'm going to stay content for a little bit. Rebecca McCauley. Could you talk more about CBD oil? I've read a lot of different things online. What are your thoughts on it? THC versus THC-free, best way to purchase, capsule or oil, etc. So I'm going to give like a very quick and brief answer to this because I'm not the THC guy. I'm not the CBD guy. Um, and I just don't want to act at like I am because I'm just not. I, I don't. I have clients, a lot of clients that use CBD. I have used CBD. Um, my family uses CBD for some injuries and stuff like that, like I'm just – I don't use it a lot. Like I've used it because my guy Joseph Healy um, from Cure Nutrition, great product. He sent me a care package. I've used their product multiple times to help me go to bed, alleviate some anxiety, but it's not something I rely on. Um, I, I rely on uh, reading, gratitude journal, meditation, stuff like that more. So I'm not going to go too depth on it. The, the other reason I'm not going to go too in-depth on it is because next week, so in a few days, Tuesday um, of next week, November something, um, 20th, I think. Um, we have uh, Evan DeMarco on the podcast who is the guru behind fish oil. They call him the fish guy because he, <laughs> he knows everything there is to know about fish oil, but he also has heavily dived into the research of CBD. And he's actually talked a lot about how CBD and fish oil together can be kind of like a wonder supplement. So he came on the show. We had a amazing conversation. I really, really enjoyed that conversation with that guy and uh, just looking forward to continuing that relationship because we've been chatting ever since. But he has a great product. He owns a massive supplement company that only produces a couple supplements and they're extremely honest. In fact, he talks about it on the podcast. He actually recommends people to cycle off supplements because your body will adapt to things. So he even tells people, buy our fish oil. It's the best fish oil. But after a while, stop taking it. Come back later. So you know it's good shit if he is telling you to stop buying his product for a while because that's not going to make him any more money. So, um, But he's going to talk all about that, so I'm not going to go too in-depth on the science. But what I will say is uh, my thoughts on it are great. I think CBD is uh, it's an amazing supplement. It's an amazing product that is growing for the right reason. It's helping so many different things. I mean – I'm not 100% sure if it was strictly CBD or if it was just marijuana in general, but there was some studies that showed complete remission of Crohn's disease, uh, and they had two groups. One group was not consuming any marijuana or CBD, and one group was, and the group that was 
uh, they had remission of Crohn's disease, which is insane. So they've seen a lot of inflammation uh, improvements with CBD. And we got to remember that at almost every disease and ailment starts with inflammation, whether that's inflammation in the gut, in the nervous system, in the joints, in the brain, anywhere in your body, really. Inflammation is the cause of chronic disease. So if we want to stay away from chronic disease, if we want to have healthier joints, um, they're also finding a lot of uh, – I don't know if it would be neurotransmitter um, – benefits necessarily but there's something going on that is helping alleviate anxiety and depression and and ptsd and things like that so all those mental issues so that tells me that there's got to be some effect on neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin which is again amazing because that's going to help alleviate anxiety and i know a lot of people who take i know a lot of people in the business world that don't openly talk about cbd and thc but they purposely take these things before massive meetings before projects before work before these things because it helps alleviate their entrepreneurial anxiety and there's a lot of people out there talking about this stuff now um so it's really really cool i'm a big fan of it personally i go with thc free i don't like being high i don't like the feeling of being high um it makes me paranoid it makes me feel uncomfortable i just <laughs> i would prefer to have cbd because you don't feel anything it's just improving your health um, CBD, like you'll notice if you really pay attention after a while, you'll notice aches and pains going away. You'll notice in the morning feeling more refreshed. Like you don't, you don't take CBD and be like, man, I'm going to sleep so fucking good tonight. What you do notice is you wake up in the next morning and you're like, man, I'm really refreshed. It's probably because that CBD helped me actually sleep. Um, anxiety. I think it's the same thing. It's not something that you take and it's like, boom, man, I don't have anxiety. Like that's not how it works. It's like creatine, right? You don't take creatine and get jacked. Um, you notice weeks down the road, like, man, I haven't had as much anxiety lately. So um, best way to purchase is probably online unless you live in a state that is legal. So it kind of depends where you live. I mean, where I live, it's everywhere. I mean, we have literally – It's I, I was telling Shannon this the other day. We were driving to uh, the car dealership to get her – she had a recall on her car. So we brought it into the dealership, and we were driving down the highway. And we're, we're looking, and I'm just like, man, if you would have told me 10 years ago that we were going to have – massive billboards that say the words marijuana retailer or no what it say it said Tacoma's premium marijuana retailer <laughs> then at the address like if you would have told me that I would have been laughed and been like you're out of your mind there's no fucking way but that's the reality now so if you live in Washington like I do if you live in Colorado places like that I think California now too obviously um you're straight you can just go to a a what are those places called? Dispensary, medical marijuana place. Um, otherwise, you can order, obviously. And I don't know, if does, is CBD legal in all marijuana legal states or do you have to order? I don't – I actually really don't know any of that to be honest with you. Uh, but you can go to Cured Nutrition. Uh, I am going to – actually, I'm going to text Joseph because I had a discount code for you guys on that. So if I do, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, I'm going to write that down right now and I'm going to ask Joseph because Joseph Healy from Cure Nutrition originally gave me a discount code. I want to say it was boom, uh, 10, I think you get 10% off, but I will look at it. I think it might be boom 10. Use the coupon code at curednutrition.com. That is my recommended place. It's a lot of people's recommended place that that company is massively growing for the, for a specific reason because they have their hearts and minds in the right places while they're doing the CBD stuff. So I will put a link in the show notes to them and I will put in parentheses my code. Um, I just got to make sure I have the right code for you guys to save 10, 15% off. All right, Aileen, and then make sure you tune in. If you're interested in CBD at all, and Rebecca, obviously you as well, tune in to next week's show. You're, you're going to love it. Aileen Farrell, fueling and fuel timing before and after when there's more than one workout in a day. So um, 
this is, I think, doesn't apply to as many people because they're not training twice a day. But I think it depends on the type of training when there's more than one workout in a day. So I'll use myself as an example. Um, I am currently really focused on performance. I want to build mainly my squat because I've had multiple knee surgeries and injuries in the past, and it kind of scared me away from heavy, heavy squats for a long time until I started fixing some imbalances I had. And I'm still working on those imbalances um, because I just ignored it. You know, when when you're really into the bodybuilding space and you have an injury like that and, and your squat suffers, and this is not the right thing to do, but where my mind was at years and years ago was, okay, my, my knee has less range of motion. I have imbalances in my hips now. Um, I can do two things. I can slow down my lifting and really work on rehab and trying to get this better so I can squat heavy again, squat good form again, or I can work around it and still build muscle, do extensions, do unilateral work, do lighter squats, tempo style, front squats, stuff like that. And that's what I did because I cared more about building muscle, which isn't necessarily right or wrong, but because I haven't focused on performance in so long, uh, I decided to do that. And part of that is doing two days. So I would say three or four days a week, I am doing two days. Um, in the morning, I'm doing some kind of aerobic work. So it could be long duration, like moderate pace rowing intervals. It could be very high intensity assault bike intervals, or it can be metcons in the morning that are really short. Usually they're not super drawn out. It's like three minute AMRAP, two minute rest, four rounds, right? So I'm done in 20 minutes, 25 minutes, something very quick, something very effective. Um, and it's changing constantly, but those are the type of workouts I'm doing in the morning. And because of that, um, I need to consider this exact thing, fueling before and after. My thing is I actually make sure that my final meal of the day, my final main meal, I usually have a snack before bed, but my main meal of the night, my dinner is going to have some kind of like healthy, easily digestive starch that agrees with my body. And usually nine times out of 10, it's going to be a sweet potato or it's going to be white rice. Um, I usually have obviously some protein with that, some veggies with that, and then some fats which tends to be grass-fed butter because I love grass-fed butter on both of those things um, with some salt. So the combination of the protein and fats are going to slow the digestion of the carbohydrates down a bit. The salt is going to help with absorption of those carbohydrates. The fluid I'm intaking at the same time, all of those things are going to play a big role in glycogen absorption, uh, and that's going to fuel my workout in the morning. So for me, my, my fuel before a morning workout, because it's strictly aerobic, I'm not too worried about eating right before I actually do it fasted what I notice and what I've, I've had a lot of athletes notice um, especially in like the CrossFit space because this is more of a CrossFit focused type of workout when we're doing kind of concurrent training right aerobic anaerobic tra hard training so on and so forth what we've noticed is that when you're in a fasted state it seems that your oxygen consumption is a little bit better so your ability to take in air and actually perform in an aerobic setting is actually improved uh, when you're in a fasted state. I don't know what the science is behind that. Um, I've had some people notice this, quite a bit of people and quite a bit of coaches. I know Jason Phillips is big on this too. Um, and I've noticed it is when we limit dairy, our oxygen consumption seems to be a little bit better too. So there's some, there's not a lot of science to prove these things, but there's, uh, we speculate, uh, we have some experience to say both of these things. So for me, I like going into my morning aerobic workouts fasted. Then I'm eating really just protein and fats afterwards because I still have all day to produce. So it kind of depends. Are you, when I have a CrossFit athlete going into competition, 
we might do the morning workout if there's two workouts in a day. If it's like very like if they're just doing like a marathon row or some crazy shit like that, we might go into that fasted or we might go into that with just um, essential amino acids and uh, highly branched cyclic dextrin. So it's not heavy on the gut, but there is some fuel, some carbs in your system right before that if it's in the early morning. Otherwise, we're fueling with very low fat protein, very high starchy carbs like white rice um, and highly branched cyclic dextrin during and after work. Workouts. Like we're getting very specific with the carbohydrates, getting sodium, getting water, all these things broken out throughout the day if it's a competition. Now, if you're going from a lifestyle perspective like myself, I'm not doing all those things on a daily basis because that's just not – I'm not going to be able to hear to. That's just going too far. That's just a lot going on, right? So for me, what it means is going into that first workout fasted um, and then afterwards making sure that I get protein right away because realistically what we know is that if I don't immediately replenish the, my glycogen stores – Two things. Number one, I did not elevate cortisol enough because I'm not going balls to the wall in the morning. I'm doing just aerobic pacing usually, some aerobic capacity. Sometimes it's anaerobic, but it's not so hard that I'm like burning myself out. So I'm not cranking cortisol through the roof. Um, I don't need a ton of carbohydrates to blunt that cortisol response and worry about replenishing glycogen because it's an aerobic workout. I didn't just do a two-hour bodybuilding session and deplete a bunch of glycogen. I'm not too concerned. So I'm not going to have carbohydrates. Also, even if my cortisol is elevated a little bit, I actually don't mind that during the morning because, again, I want to stay awake, lively, productive, focused to get work done. I have a lot of content I'm creating. I have a lot of clients to manage. I have a team to manage. I want to make sure I'm on my toes, and I want to make sure I'm producing well. So for me, that means going into the workout faster early in the morning and then immediately following that up with a protein-based breakfast that does have healthy fats in it. And I'm going to have some veggies in there. I'm going to have some protein in there. So my insulin is going to spike a little bit. It's going to help the cortisol response from a stress management standpoint enough to elicit recovery. Two to three hours later, actually no, like three to four hours later, I have another meal, my second meal of the day. And in this meal, I'm having a good dose of carbohydrates, good dose of protein, and a little bit less fat because that's my pre-workout meal. So now I'm replenishing any glycogen I would have depleted and also preparing for that next workout. Two hours later, I train. Post-workout, I'm usually having a cyclic dextrin shake right away with essential amino acids to really replenish the glycogen to make sure that I am blending the cortisol response. And because I'm not going to eat for another two to three hours probably because, you know, it's only 4, 5 p.m. at the latest right now. We still got to shower. I'm going to get the baby ready, like change and do that. Kind of take her from Shannon because she, she's been with the mom all day. Uh, then we're going to cook dinner. So it's going to take some time. This is how you approach it from a lifestyle standpoint. I'm training twice a day most days, but I'm looking at this, what is feasible, what makes sense, and what's going to make sure that I'm just dotting my I's and crossing my T's to make sure that I am able to perform tomorrow. That's the big thing, tomorrow. Because at the end of the day, this morning's session that I did, I'm using glycogen that I consumed 24 hours ago. So as long as I'm fueling my body on a weekly basis, I'm straight. Now, if you're extremely lean, like for my CrossFitters, that I have a CrossFitter, um, a great example of this is uh, – Miriam, you guys should go check her out on Instagram. Um, I don't know her handle off the top of my head, but I've shared stuff of hers plenty of times. She's very high-level CrossFitter in Germany, and she's super lean. So for somebody that is super lean like her, we're probably going to have carbohydrates in almost every single meal because her training is a little bit harder, actually a lot harder because she's going balls to the wall quite often. Um, she's training multiple times a day, multiple days a week. She has competitions more frequently. Um, I mean, more frequently than most people. I don't even compete. Um... She needs more carbohydrates. She's already extremely lean, which means she's going to deplete glycogen quicker so than most people. So for her, it's a little bit different story, and it's from a com competitive standpoint. 
So it kind of depends. Are you competing? How lean are you? So on and so forth. But I think there's a lot of ways to approach it. The number one key here is that your nutrition from a daily perspective, a 24-hour perspective, is the biggest key to fueling your performance, whether you're doing one, two, or three sessions per day. All right, I'm going to start cranking through these quick because we're running out of time, guys. Carmen Spitzer, volume eating. I love volume eating, and it is very good way. She said goof. I almost got confused. It is a very good way when you are low on macros, like a cut. Do you think there is an unhealthy limit or an unhealthy relationship when needing big bowls of food? Maybe also digestive issues. Maybe you could talk about the pros and cons. So this is basically like I'm on a cut. I don't have many calories. What I'm going to do is fill a massive bowl full of salad because romaine lettuce is practically just water. But it's going to fill me up because I get so much volume of food. I actually think it's a great strategy. Um, and unless you specifically have digestive issues, which usually doesn't happen from things like romaine lettuce. So my suggestion would be if you're going to do this with a big bowl of do something, I would probably do a salad with a lot of romaine lettuce and then have a little bit less of the protein of the greens, so on and so forth. Because you're not going to have a lot of digestive stress. It's still going to fill you out. It's going to take you time to eat it, which is going to slow you down, which is going to make your your mindset behind it is going to feel like you're eating more food. Um, so I think it's a great strategy. I use it. I recommend it to clients. Like anytime we're on a cut, I think it's a very smart idea. The digestive issues come into play. I've done this um, – we, we bought this big, uh, those you know, those stir-fry skillet things. It's like it's a pan, but it's like a huge bowl. They use them at those Chinese restaurants where they're like flipping the fire, and it's just like you can just stir all this shit in there. I We got one of those, and I got a little carried away. I was like, I'm going to make this massive stir-fry from us, right? We got some rice with it, but I put snap peas, uh, those little baby corns, uh, full onion, mushrooms, broccoli, uh, carrots. Like I put so much shit in there, chicken, shrimp. Like there's just so much stuff because I wanted to utilize this massive pan. Well, I ended up having this freaking serving bowl, party serving bowl full of veggies. But they were high fiber, high bulk veggies. That caused digestive stress. That's not the smartest way. Is it going to kill you if you do it every once in a while? Probably not. It was worth it. It was a great meal. But – I wouldn't suggest that, and I think that's an unhealthy limit if you were doing it on a repetitive basis. Otherwise, I think volume eating is extremely smart. It's underlooked. If you're on a cut and you're low on calories and you're feeling hungry, make a massive salad with romaine lettuce, chicken. You can even throw some bacon and some tomatoes and whatever you like in there. Get some low-calorie dressing. such a great way to go about it. Christina Funmi. What other state in America could you live in and why? P.S. It has to be a state outside of the Pacific Northwest. I would live in California without a doubt in my mind. <laughs> That's easy. Uh, I would live in San Diego, Pacific Beach, or I would live in Santa Monica without a question. Um, that's not in the Northwest. I would do it because it's constantly sunny. I would do it because I have a lot of friends that live in California in both of those areas. Um, I would do it because the fitness scene is awesome out there. There's a lot of reasons, but that would be my number one. My number two would probably be Austin, Texas, just because – um, we have a friend out there and there's a, a big fitness scene out there as well. And I've just heard so many great things about Austin. Um, and again, it's warm. Uh, if I was going to move anywhere, I'd probably get out of the rain, which is where I'm at right now. But yeah, I'd probably go, uh, Southern California. Leah Yoder, FBBC. I have noticed in phase two of functional muscle, there are some high intensity finishers, which I love like the air squats, the kettlebell swings, jumping lunges. There's, I think there's some sled work in there. I know since you created it, there's a good reason behind it. What is the reason or science behind HIT being at the end of a strength session? Thanks for all you do, Cody. I have huh, – this is awesome. I have eliminated all podcast listening except for yours since I have everything I need there. 
that means the world to me. Thank you so much, Leah. Um, yeah, there's a great reason for high-intensity interval training at the end of a workout. There's a couple things. Number one, it depends what you're doing, but the first reason is because we want to get some high-intensity during the week. If we're going to do any high-intensity, it should probably be tackled on to the end of a strength training session because um, – those days are already intensive on your nervous system. So the way I like to do it is like, okay, if I'm already in the gym going balls to the wall and that is going to push my nervous system into a sympathetic state, high cortisol state, a stressful state, I might as well add on the cardio that's going to do that as well. And then tomorrow when I just have cardio, I'm going to use that as a recovery day. I'd rather go for a 40-minute walk and do some mobility because that's going to bring my nervous system down. I'm still going to burn calories, but also I'm going to recover better and get back into that parasympathetic state so that the next day I have a better training session when I need to ramp up my cortisol response, my sympathetic nervous system again. Um, some people have different limits there. Like I know for me, I can go like two or three days in a row with the high-intensity stuff, um, strength training, so on and so forth. Um, but if I do two days every day, I would be smashed. Um, if I don't take that uh, fourth day completely off, I would be smashed for Friday. Like there's there's things you need to kind of learn, but that's may, one main reason. Another reason is they found that doing high intensity intervals at the end of a training session um, can cr increase the epoch effect. So excess post oxygen consumption, basically staying that after you train, after you do this high intensity intervals, your body, your white blood cells are still pulling in oxygen for hours and hours after you leave the gym. And that's going to create a higher caloric burn. It's going to increase your metabolic rate after the session, so on and so forth. So that's a big reason too. Um, it's very helpful for just caloric burn and getting lean. Um, they've also found that doing high intensity at the end of a strength training session increases muscle protein synthesis even higher. And it increases your insulin sensitivity even more. So if I leave this session and I finish with a short, quick, high-intensity interval, like you'll notice inside of functional muscle one and two, the finishers are always short. It's not there to drag it out and make you stressed. It's there to increase your heart rate, increase your metabolic rate, get the high-intensity interval shit done, and get you out of there because afterwards – your muscle protein synthesis is up higher, which is going to contribute to the anabolic effect of training. It's going to contribute to more muscle growth when you consume protein coming up, and it increases your insulin sensitivity even more, which means that whatever meal you have post-workout is going to go right to the muscle glycogen. So when you have carbs and protein, your insulin is going to spike, yes, but because you're more insulin sensitive, those carbohydrates, those protein, those calories in general are going to go to better use and you're actually going to utilize them as muscle rather than storing as body fat. So there's a lot of reason for the high intensity intervals at the end of a session. I think it's a great idea and I just try to make it relatable to what we're doing. So if it's an upper body day, that might might mean um, like in function or uh, inside the elite right now, we have some EMOM finishers which are killer. If you're doing just arms or just shoulders or just legs in an EMOM fashion, you get an insane pump and uh, and you're going to increase your heart rate. You're going to increase your metabolic rate, increase sens insulin sensitivity, and it's right at the end. So that's a really good way to do it. Um, like I said, that's in uh, one of the programs inside the Boom Boom Elite, which there's a link for in the description. But that's a great way to go about it. Um, really, really like doing that. All right, we got time for two more and we're going to crank these out quickly. I still have a list of questions, so we're going to have to do another – we're going to tack these on to next week's Q&A. All right, so we're going to start with Rhiannon Healy, one of my clients. Shout out to Rhiannon from down in Australia. Favorite exercise recipe, i.e. tempo, reps, sets, frequency for sculpting your shoulders. Let's be honest. Everyone has seen, seen your mad delts on Instagram. I told her I'm blushing on this side of the screen. It's funny because I've been trying to do this Q&A. She sent like a, 
it's like this Spanish dude with hoop earrings, a mustache, and long hair blowing in the wind, winking. It's a gif. And literally, I'm trying to answer this Q&A, and I can't stop looking at this freaking gif. I keep trying to scroll, scroll away from it because it's distracting. All right, so um, favorite exercise recipe uh, for shoulders. I'm going to go with um, – I'm going to answer all those tempos, reps, sets, and frequency. My tempo is a slow tempo for, for shoulders. I like to do a 3-1-3-1 tempo. So that means three seconds up, one second pause, three seconds down, one second pause before you hit the bottom. So if I'm doing lateral raises, I would rather go all the way up, pause, slow all the way down right before I actually get the dumbbells back to my side to complete a full rep. I'm going to stop so I still have tension in the deltoid. And then I'm going to go back up. So that's my favorite tempo. My favorite reps are going to be in between 15 to 25. So really high rep training. I prefer that, especially with the tempo. Um, and I'm going to get to that in, in a sec. For sets, to be honest with you, probably in between three to four. It kind of depends. I think sets is one of those variables that is so dependent on your total volume per week. But in general, I just like enough to just make sure I'm stimulating hypertrophy. And then for frequency, I like two times a week. I think when we go to three times a week, you're just not fully recovered if you're doing enough volume per session. Um, and if you're doing one time a week, I don't think you're getting enough total volume. So that's kind of how I like it. And the reason I like that is because the shoulders and, I, and the shoulders are – different because they're three-dimensional, right? There's three different heads. They're, that's why everybody talks about 3D delts. And I think the reason for that is there's a mix of mus muscle fibers. And because of that, it's hard to say that this is the best way to train them. This is the best reps. This is the best sets, so on and so forth. Whereas like the hamstrings are a muscle fiber type that responds well to low rep, hard tension, explosive, heavy work. So like heavy, slow, negative RDLs or flat sprints for 100 yards like your hamstrings will build that's why sprinters have huge hamstrings but the delts are kind of uh, a mix so although like heavy overhead presses work well what i have found what studies have shown and what a lot of uh, experienced coaches do is time under tension works really well so high reps slow tempo constant tension inside of your delt is probably going to be the best way to build them and the last one will be quick i've got another one car oh this is carmen spitzer again I've got another one. What kind of coaches and mentors do you have? Which one was the best decision you should have done way earlier? Which one was the hardest decision and why did you choose them? So right now, what kind of coaches do I have? Currently, I have a training coach who does all my training programs. Shout out to Brian Forstein. Um, I think that's a great decision to have with people. To be completely honest with you, I just don't have the time to create intelligent programming for myself. I'm focused on my clients. Um, I change things up to myself too much. I don't prioritize myself and I don't hold myself accountable of, of sticking to a program. So I hire somebody to do it and I always have hired somebody to do that. So right now I'm just working with Brian Borstein. He's a great friend of mine. Um, and because of that, I, we were just having a conversation. I was like, dude, you need to take over. Let me pay you for coaching. And he writes all my programming. So that one's more of like a program design aspect. Um, shout out to Brian. Hopefully you're listening to this. I know he does listen to the podcast. Uh, big fan. Um, he's helped me out a lot just because it keeps me accountable. And everybody listening, that's the same thing. Like my clients get extremely great results because they have somebody doing it for them. They don't have to think about it. It takes out the guesswork. That's the whole point. Take out the guesswork. Have something that works for you. Have somebody hold you accountable. Um, I have Jason Phillips, who is a mentor for my business. He helps me with a lot of things inside my business, inside my mindset, um, and so just inside of my well-being and my life. So uh, that's another coach that I have currently that I pay. Um, uh, I recently hired uh, Craig Ballantyne. I'm going to be going to his 
Perfect Life workshop in California in a couple months. But part of doing that is, you know, I'm working with him as well. And for that, it's like my relationships, my mental sanity, my productivity, my organization. So that's another person I invested in. So I have three coaches at the moment. Um, and then I would consider my coaches who work for me my coaches because they help me stay on my toes, right? Like I would consider my daughter a mentor because she teaches me things every fucking day because I'm learning so much about how to care for another human being. So there's a lot of coaches and mentors in my life. There's a lot of people I look up to. There's a lot of people I talk to. Um, I think the best decision I've ever made with a coach was Steve Krebs uh, in 2017. And the reason I choose him is because and it was also the hardest decision, and that's why I chose him. It was the best decision and the hardest decision because it's the most money I've ever spent on a coach. Um, if I told you guys how much I spent on him, I, I mean, like, in some places, double people's mortgage. I invested more money in a coach per month than I ever knew. I didn't even know people did that, to be honest with you. I didn't know that was a thing that you can invest as much. And I took a major risk because I, it was in January or December of 2016. So this is way back when I wasn't, my business wasn't as big and it was a big financial decision to make. It was a very hard decision to make, but my gut told me that I needed to do it. I would figure out the financial burden later and I was just gonna put it on my credit card. I was like, let's just fucking do it, dude. I, I know I can make it work. I had to commit to a year and I was like, I don't, as of right now, I can't do a year, but I will make this shit happen so that a year happens um, and so that I can commit to that. Um, and I signed up with them. I made shit happen right away. And that payment became easier and easier to make. And I stayed with them the entire year. And it was the hardest decision I've ever made because it was so expensive and it was such a big commitment. But it was the best decision I've ever made because I learned so much about myself, about how I treated my relationships, how I treated my mental sanity, my spirituality, my emotional well-being, my business, my clients. I learned so much about myself. I made some of the biggest decisions I've ever made. And I had the most accountability I've ever had in my life. And it just, it, it completely shifted everything I did. And the reason I chose him was my gut told me to do it. He reached out to me. He said he had an opportunity for me. My gut said do it. And I just jumped. I, I went all in. I leaped for it. And, and it was the best decision I've ever made. All right, guys, that is a wrap. I hope you enjoyed the show today. A couple quick announcements before I let you go. First and foremost, I just want to encourage you to check out the products I have in the description. First one is the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is a very cheap guide to literally mastering your diet. That's why it's called the All-Inclusive Guide to Mastering Your Diet. It's gonna teach you exactly what and how to manage your calories, your macros, your meal timing, your supplements, your micronutrients, literally everything you need to know about dieting and nutrition and how to change your body composition through nutrition is included in this book. Not just to get your results, but to actually teach you how to get those results along the way. The next thing is gonna be Functional Muscle, which is my first and right now my biggest product out there. This is the program that is based on years and years and years of functional training with tons of clients. So whether your goal is strength, fat loss, or muscle gain, you should be strength training towards these goals while prioritizing functional movement patterns to make sure that you are avoiding any injuries along the way. That's exactly what this program does and it's great because it guides you through the process, it changes throughout the process, and it gives you demonstrations and explanations about everything you're doing so you never get confused and you always have a solution. You also get access into the Boom Boom Performance Podcast Forum. That is the only way into the forum and that's where you can ask me literally anything about anything and I will help guide you through the process. Last thing I want to mention, guys, is if you could leave me a five-star rating and review, that would be fantastic because it literally is one of the biggest and best ways for me to grow in the iTunes charts. Oh, yeah, and real quick, if you're not subscribed, 
hit the damn subscribe button because I constantly bust out content for you guys and I spent a lot of time and effort making sure that you guys can get better results for free by simply listening to this podcast. All right, guys. I'll catch you next time.